0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 88 of the Talking Shot Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and I'm joined today by the great Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott?
1: How you doing, Brad? Thanks for having me on again.
0: Uh, It's my pleasure, sir, as always. Um... We are recording, just for people to know, uh, in the middle of the uh, World Series Game 5, and we thought it was going to be over. It's very, very late on Sunday night, but it's still the seventh inning because baseball takes forever when it's fun. But no, it's been an awesome mm-hmm. game. So uh, if, if, if for some reason we start yelling in the middle of the podcast, that would be why something crazy has happened, but uh, just as the backdrop, just so people know what's going on here. But you know, it's been relatively quiet for the Braves, and I feel like that's a repeat of something I said like two or three weeks in a row now. But uh, some news to hit on I mean, not tons of news, but a little bit more than last week. And uh, we're getting closer and closer, I think, to the uh, investigation uh, into copy and all that stuff breaking because uh, all of the uh, buzz is going to hit right after the World Series. And the World Series might be over by the time this uh, actually it will be over by the time we talk about um, this all this stuff next week. So I guess the headliner there is that John Heyman reported this week that all the GM interviews and all that search is basically on hold until after the investigation breaks. That's not a big surprise, I guess, considering um, they have to at least wait for some sort of fallout. And But that sort of lends itself to the Braves not really knowing what's coming. So uh, I don't know. We don't we don't have to do too much on the uh, on the hold slash investigation because there's not really much to talk about. But were you kind of add on that and does any of that surprise you?
1: You know, of everything that kind of came out during the week, and we can kind of touch on all the various names that were mentioned, I think the fact that the Braves have, and I think a lot of people expected them to, but the Braves reaching out to the Royals and then having their request denied uh, to interview Dayton Moore, um, and we keep hearing these names of, of other candidates for the job potentially, I think it just speaks to the Braves at least getting ready to make a change from, from heart. I think it I guess it speaks uh, loudly that I know that they're still waiting on MLB to wrap up their investigation. But for Hart to still uh, kind of be running the show, from what we understand, is a little odd. If you know, if if who is interviewing guys like like uh, like Dayton Moore or trying to interview guys like Dayton Moore, if if John Hart is on his way out, um, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. All things considered, but as you mentioned, we should have some some clarity here within the next week or so, um, and hopefully uh, hopefully it doesn't come down too hard on the Braves. And we're kind of able to move on past this and hire a new GM uh, and kind of shift focus towards the off season.
0: Yeah, the Dayton Moore angle is an interesting one in that that was widely reported that that was uh the request was denied and Dob went out of his way to say that that doesn't necessarily like completely slam the door on Dayton Moore, but I think it does kind of say what you said there is it speaks to the fact that like Dayton Moore I think is pretty clearly only coming if Hart is not there. So to yeah. even be thinking about Dayton Moore is does not speak terribly well to John Hart's job security. doesn't mean that he's necessarily out the door 100%, but uh, I don't think they even approached Dayton Moore with an offer to be working for John Hart. That would never happen. Um, so, And, and that's that, that's been widely reported. It's not just us guessing. That's been widely reported that Dayton Moore is not coming to the Braves to work for John Hart. So um, all that to say, a couple of names to always at at least touch on here briefly. Uh, one is that what is Ben Sherrington, who Nick, Nick Afar of the Boston Globe, um, report as, as a candidate for the Braves. Uh Kifardo is obviously be plugged in there because Sherrington is the GM of the Red Sox. They won a title with him. Uh, also, a couple of other names that we've already been talking about, but that's sort of the headliner that was uh, one of the bigger names that we've heard in terms of just national profile because if you're the GM of the Red Sox and, and you win a World Series, you become pretty famous. But things didn't end super well there, and he's currently in Toronto um, as the VP of Baseball Ops there. One of the questions we got from the mailbag this week I actually was about Sherrington and came from uh, DFS Jake G asked if you had a choice between Doug Harris. who we've talked about on the podcast, you and I um, from the Nats or Ben Sherrington, who would you go with? I guess you can answer that question and throw out another name. If you want to have another name out there as well.
1: You know, it's a good question and you know, Sherrington the rap on him. I mean, Hey, look, he, he won a world series, right? You know, he was kind of running the show in Boston for four or five years. Um, kind of saw that weird oversaw the weird collapse in 2012, kind of similar to the way the Braves collapsed, or I guess it was 2011 when, uh, you know, things just kind of fell apart and um, and they fell apart in Boston. And then, you know, two years later, they won a World Series. Um, so he, he has won a World Series. The knock on him was he's made, while well, he was in Boston, some really questionable free agent signings. He signed Pablo Sandoval. I think he was responsible for the whole Hanley Ramirez uh, trade and signing extension and everything like that. de Castillo, too, which was uh, that's sort it. of a famous yeah. bad one now. Yeah, so, you know, he, but at the same time, sure, he he didn't spend very well in in free agency. But, you know, if you compare the payroll of the Red Sox to the payroll of the Braves, obviously the Braves aren't going to be able to spend the same way that Sherrington was able to spend in Boston. So I don't know. He's an interesting name. He certainly has a track record of being successful. He's, um, you know, the the VP of Baseball Ops now with the Blue Jays. Um, So he's an interesting candidate, somebody who has certainly been around the block. Um, you know, and in, I think last time I was only talking about Doug Harris, a little bit of widely regarded, uh, you know, strong baseball mind, um, a little bit more forward thinking with the game. He's not an old school betting average and RBI guy. Um, you know, being with the Nationals now, I know he's, he's drawn praise and, you know, it's been written that he will be a GM one day. Um, so I think, honestly, I would be pretty happy with either of those two candidates. I, I wouldn't uh, turn my nose up at either. Um, and, and again I think the Dayton Moore thing is as you kind of touched on with DOB um, if I'm the Royals I think you would just deny the request just to potentially get yourself um, in line to get some money or some prospects or something like that from the Braves uh, should Dayton decide to leave um, you know by from everything I've kind of read and seen um, denying the request just kind of ups your you know your bargaining power a little bit and I think it seems uh, you know pretty standard for a, a franchise like the Royals
0: Yeah, there's no reason for them not to do that. Honestly, I mean, if they want to keep him, and it seems like they probably do. I mean, he led them to a World Series. So if if the Royals would, you know, all things equal, want to keep him, then they don't have any upside to letting him go because it wasn't one of those things where, you know, there's no there's nowhere for him to go up in the in the Royals organization. He's already in charge of everything there. So, you know, it's all that to say. I don't think uh, more seems super likely, but it's still out there and. When people that are on the beat are reporting that it's not necessarily done, that's something to just keep in mind. But, you know, Sherrington would be fine. I think it's very, very different. And, the, you know, the pressures are different as well. You know, obviously you want to build a contender, but he took over for Theo Epstein in Boston. And there's a lot of pressure to just basically keep it rolling. And I think that could sort of lend lend itself to uh, some free agent spending. Uh, obviously some, some missteps there, but was still the GM for a title. Um, there's something to be said for that as well as uh date Moore, all that fun stuff. And uh, I like everything I've seen from Doug Harris as well, but it's all shot. It's all shots in the dark. I'm not sure, you know, the one, the one name that we've talked about that we don't like is Dan Jennings that we've discussed. That's been out there. Um, yeah. but honestly, I think for me, I, I'm of the mind where I just don't want John Hart to be running the show at this point in time. Um, but you know, it wouldn't blow me away if he still was, that's the thing. Like, yeah, the Braves, I mean, if he's implicated directly in the investigation, then he probably will obviously will be out the door. But if not... Um there's that school of thought where it's sort of out there that like you know maybe he maybe he avoids uh, being thrown out and listen they they allowed him uh, or at least backed him uh, picking up Bryce Snickers option when they didn't have to do that um, so yeah there, there's some conflicting messages that's all I'll say about the way that uh, the Braves have handled this and uh, I did not love that and we talked about that ad nauseum at this point in time but it's been kind of a mess as we've kind of talked about over and over again but that's sort of the latest and uh, not a whole lot of news there but I do think again before next week's podcast I expect. To hear at least something, because all the uh, all the national writers have basically been saying that it's going to hit right after the World Series, and uh, you know Game Five is this evening. So uh, Game Seven, I believe, is Wednesday night on the schedule. So we might hear something by Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which gives us plenty of time to react. And if something crazy happens, we'll probably do an emergency podcast. But uh, if nothing else, we'll talk about it next week. Um Back to some actual baseball stuff, uh, away from the field a little bit. I mean, sorry, back on the field a little bit. Um, the Braves did make a couple of roster moves this week, and they picked up Tyler Flowers' option, which was an absolute no-brainer, and they declined R.A. Dickey's option, which was a bit of a surprise, but not necessarily a shock considering he was talking about retiring. Um, I guess the question, and we talked about it a little bit offline before we got here, is that you know we assume Dickey's retiring because the Braves – Probably would have picked up his option, I think, if he wasn't. Um, but either way, it looks like he's going to be out the door, and that opens up a spot in the rotation because they have they have all these young guys. But I mean, I guess the big question will be whether they want to sign a veteran or at least try to go that route.
1: You know, it'll be interesting to see. It's in my opinion, at least, and and we talked about having some clarity on the GM situation in the next week. I mean, I think free agency officially kicks off in like 11 days, um, and trades and everything like that. So I think the first real decision that the GM uh, has to make is is what they're going to do with the rotation. Um, you know, if, if you're in the mindset that Julio Tehran won't be traded, um, and who knows if he will or not. But if Julio Tehran is still around, um, I would imagine Fulty and, and Newcomb have spots for sure. Uh, that leaves a couple guys who are going to battle for a roster or for a uh, rotation spot. I would imagine Gohara with a strong spring um, could get pretty close to being a lock, uh, especially considering how good he looked. I, I wouldn't hate it if they sent him to the minors to get some seasoning. Um and, and similar to Max Freed who pitched uh not quite as well as Gohara, but looked good uh in his kind of month or so stint up with the big club, um, pitching really well out right now in the Arizona Fall League, uh, which is a hitter friendly league. Um you know, we'll see. I, I think we kinda of talked about this offline as you mentioned. Um I don't think they're gonna go into next season with, with Tehran and then four of the kids in the rotation. I think they'll sign or trade for somebody uh, even if it's for a guy signed for a year or two, or they kind of do something similar to what they did with uh, Bartolo and Dickey and sign a, you know an older free agent to a year or two deal, um, I would imagine that makes the most sense, especially if the Braves are serious about taking uh, the next step forward in in 2018. But uh, we'll see. It's it's certainly a big decision to make, and and uh, we'll just kind of see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I'd be I'd be fairly surprised if they weren't they went into 2018 with only Tehran as a veteran presence. I think they, at least we'll give themselves another option. Whether it be a low, a lower level one like a stopgap like Dickey was, or something like that, I think they they will at least bring somebody in. I'm not sure what kind of level that will be at. Uh, you mentioned Max Freed, who's been uh, you mentioned how good he's been in Arizona Fall League just for a little bit of context. 19 innings, only one earned run allowed in a pitcher's league, very encouraging. Although it is Arizona Fall League, it's not like he's that's not the same quite <laughs> quite the same level of competition that he was facing in Atlanta. But still, uh, that's a name. But I, I do think Gohara is probably going to be a rotation barring some sort of setback, which means that that's, you know, that's three guys plus Julio. That's, you're talking about four guys there and you got one spot left, whether it be for, for or vet or whatever else happens or, you know, all the trades are on the table. It's not like all these guys are necessarily safe. I think the only, um, Honestly, the only guy that would surprise me if the, if the Braves moved out of that group is Gohara in this offseason. I think if, if something had popped and they wanted to trade someone like Newcomb or Folty in a bigger deal, well, none of that stuff would blow me away. I'm not expecting it, but uh, nobody's that safe on this roster right now, aside from Freddie Freeman and then Ozzie Albies and probably Dan Swanson and Ronald Acuna, of course, because he's not going anywhere ever. Uh, <laughs> ever. Uh, yeah, literally ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just sort of interesting to think about. I was a little surprised again that his option was declined, but I think that's probably just more of an indication that he's going to retire. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised not if he was going to play and they declined his option because it was relatively cheap and he was you know pretty solid last year and uh, you know with his age and all that stuff. But it opens the spot. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it, but at least at least worth noting. Uh, same, I, mean, I assume that you don't necessarily want to talk about Flowers because it was never going to be a thing where the Braves didn't pick up his option. They waited, I, I presume, just to make sure he didn't get hurt because that was the yeah. only re- that was the only reason to wait on Flowers' option.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know people were, it's actually, I think it was an interview with copy and they asked him about flowers option. And he says, yeah, we will probably pick it up. We're leaning that way. And and I think at that point there was like a week left in the season and you know, everyone knew they were picking it up. I think just out of, um, being able to kind of back out at the last second, say that flowers shreds his ACL in the final game of the season. Obviously you're not going to pay a guy who not going to play next year, you know, the 5 million or whatever it was, but um, you know, hopefully more of the same from Flowers and Suzuki both certainly were were some of the bigger surprises, more pleasant surprises of 2017. And um, even if they're able to come close to what, doing what they did next year, that'd be a huge boost.
0: Yeah, I mean it was. There's I uh, in my other life covering the Atlanta Hawks, the NBA. They they routinely do this. They will go to the last possible day to pick up an option or uh, make yeah. any, any kind of decision. It's basically only because of injury. I mean, uh, you know, in season uh, there's every reason to do that because Flowers was still playing. It wasn't like he was shut down. So I totally get it. But at no point were they were they not going to pick up the option if he was standing no. upright because uh, he's yeah. uh, been incredible for now a year and a half plus. So. Sign me up for more Terra Flowers for 2018. Um, elsewhere, uh, a couple of I guess more, uh, definitely more minor roster moves. Uh, Micah Johnson was claimed by the Reds, and David Friedis, I believe is how you say his name, was claimed by the Mariners. Um, those guys leave the 40-man roster uh, to clear some room. No big surprises there. Neither were those guys. I, I continue to like Micah Johnson a little bit, but not enough to be upset that he's elsewhere. Uh, anything to talk about there, except for basically just the 40, the 40-man spots.
1: I don't think so. I, yeah, it clears up two spots on the roster, and you know, with Suzuki and Flowers, um, you know, th- those are certainly your two guys behind the plate. I'm, I'm sure they'll sign some kind of a veteran uh, third catcher to go catch every day. And Gwinnett, um, you know, would be in line to, to move up to Atlanta should Flowers or uh, Suzuki get hurt. But I would imagine those two are, are pretty locked in, and, and it, if it can clear a spot for Fritas. Um, you know he's not really a guy with a future in town and and I kind of thought both these moves are more procedural than anything
0: yeah they are I mean I think people like Micah Johnson and I kind of do as well but not necessarily in the in the way as I said earlier that's not something I'm gonna be terribly upset about Uh, hopefully he gets a shot in Cincinnati because I kind of like his game a little bit um that's basically it in terms of roster maneuvering uh there was uh, a Baseball America top ten list that hit uh, sort of a weirdly timed one, so I sh- I-, I definitely appreciate Baseball America and the good folks over there, including Carlos Colazo, the alum of this podcast. Who, Shout uh, out Carlos! Um, I'm sure had something to do with this. I can blame him if if it went wrong. Um, that that top ten list is not uh, no huge surprise, but a couple of eyebrow raises. You know, Acuna is number one. Gohara, Mike Soroka, then you get into Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson. Austin Riley, Colby Allard, Max Free, Kevin Maiton, a little bit lower than you would think at number nine, and Christian Pache at ten. Um, Kyle Wright at four was a little bit surprising to me, a little higher than I thought he'd probably be out there. Um, any thoughts there? Like Anybody that was uh, left off that you were uh, surprised about or the order was all weird? Obviously, Ronald Acuna being be number one was to give him, but aside from that, anything else that sort of jumped to mind for you? Austin Riley was someone who I saw, you know, and he was, I think I was
1: tweeting and, you know, a month or two ago, I've, I've said a couple times now, I really have no idea what to make of him. Like, I could talk myself into him being like an everyday third baseman, and I could also talk to myself into, you know, the scouting report of he can't hit a fastball and, um, you know, he, he crushes the breaking stuff, but you just gas one up there and he can't hit it. Um, so for Baseball America to have him sixth was, was I think, a great sign. Um, you know, not that the prospect rankings mean anything, um, but for him to, to be sixth, then he certainly finished the year out pretty strong. Uh, he hit well in a limited sample down to Mississippi. I would imagine he gets a full year in double A again. So, uh, that was a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, the rest of it, nothing else really stood out for better or worse. I I think it's pretty similar to most, uh, top 10 lists. I think Tukey Toussaint, uh, the way he closed out 2017, uh, might give him a chance to, to sneak into some top 10s for the Braves. But again, even with some of the recent graduations and departures from the farm, uh, this is still an incredibly deep system guys who were in that 11 to 15 range, you know, you throw in Tukey, uh, Alex Jackson, a couple of the other recent draftees, Drew Waters. Uh, you know, these are guys who were top 10 for probably 95% of the other teams in the league. Uh, the Braves are certainly very strong in their farm. And, um, you know, it just kind of speaks to the last couple of years of collecting talent. Uh, and now we kind of get to see, especially with a couple of these guys like Acuna, Gahara, uh Soroka, Uh, you know, Freed, all those guys should probably see Atlanta at some point in 2018, Um, and uh, it'll be fun to see the young kids come up, because right now, I think uh, the prospects and the young guys with the upside are you know, what's really kind of keeping the fans going right now, given the investigation, everything like that.
0: Oh yes, Uh, (laughs) that's definitely the case, because there's not a whole lot else to be excited about um, on the roster. Um, We we did get one question about Austin Riley's performance in the AFL, just for a little bit of context there. uh, Riley has a has an OPS over 1,200. It's only about 30 plate appearances, but uh, that's about as good as you can ask anybody to do. And uh, the question comes from Patrick Mollett. He basically says, does Austin Riley's performance in the Arizona League possibly change if the Braves were to target like a big third baseman trade or a signing? Um, you know, him being good is always a good thing, but what do you think about that? I think it's probably too early to just fully bank on Austin Riley being the guy at third base. I can't imagine the Braves are going to shy away too much from a deal, but maybe I'm wrong on that.
1: No, I'm with you. I, I can't imagine, I mean, for any prospect. I mean, unless yes. they're just this super prospect. Even, Acuna. <laughs> yeah, other than Acuna, right. I mean, you know, prospects look amazing all the time. And then, you know, five years later, it's the, oh, yeah, I remember him. You know, what happened to him? So, uh, by all means, let's hope that Austin Riley turns into an everyday regular for the Braves. Um, But I think if if there's a third baseman out there who's available and and the Braves can get him at a reasonable cost and he kind of fits their time frame for when they want to be competitive, uh, I I can't imagine Riley, you know, as we've kind of mentioned, the Arizona Fall League is a very hitter-friendly league, um, and it's encouraging. It's obviously better for him to have a 1,200 OPS than him having a 600 OPS, um, but I I can't imagine that the Braves think so highly of Riley that they would uh, not even entertain, you know, upgrading third base this winter.
0: Yeah, that's basically where I am as well. It's I just don't you, you can like Austin Raleigh a lot and I kind of like what I see from him, but at the same time, like he's not close enough uh, and or um, quite elite enough for me to be worried about, you know, blocking him right now. I, I mean, I guess you may may not want to sign like a huge like I don't know, it's one of those things where you, you wouldn't want to sign Nick Marcakis or that kind of guy to play third base, like that kind well, of, you know, safe stopgap option, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. uh like that's the kind of deal that I would really not like the Braves to make, really, really anywhere right now, is to sign be like middling guy to a long-term deal just to fill a spot, um, and that's the only but the only thing that I think would stay away from me at like basically any spot. I, I, everything else is kind of like just make the best possible decision, almost in a vacuum, and the, you know see how it plays out. Um, the rest of the AFL is. You know, pretty good. The signs are good. Acuna's OPS is 1,100. Not a surprise. Uh, Alex Jackson we talked about last week with Eric a little bit. He's been quite good. Uh, Riley, I mean, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it because neither one of us is like super plugged in and watching a ton of this, I don't think. Um... But it's a uh, you know it's never a bad thing to have uh, guys play well <laughs> that that you want to play well because especially all the guys that you recognize um, they're supposed to do well in that kind of league especially the hitters because it's a very hitter friendly league as we talked about earlier, earlier with Freed so you know Freed being good is even is even better and uh, all the guys who you think would be playing well are playing well so that's that's a very nice thing.
1: In uh, in the background right now, the Astros have just scored four yeah, runs. I almost seven. said that it's uh it just hit a ball about nine million feet into the air, and it went to the first row of the left field seats. So it is
0: uh, absolute pandemonium in Houston uh, at the moment. Like both players and fans, like everyone is losing their mind. And uh, baseball is fun. I like baseball. Um, by the way, the, the the Astros were absolutely horrible about four or five years ago. Just. Well, oh by yeah! The way, if you're a Braves fan, that's what you should be hoping for: is the Astros, <laughs> because the Astros like were were way worse than the Braves have ever been, uh, and now they're this. So all
1: we need is a Carlos Correa to fall into our laps in the next draft, and then in you know a pretty average player turning into like one of the best five players in baseball, like Jose Altuve did. Um, but that's all, you know. Get a yeah. I mean, they've gotten, a superstar twenty-one year old and have an average player turn into a superstar overnight.
0: It's the same thing as the Cubs. Like the Astros have just nailed basically all their picks, and like it's as good as a rebuild could possibly go. It's not like that's a, the baseline, but uh, and the Braves have kind of done it in a different way. And that's we talked about that a million times. Is the Braves pe- focusing on pitching, whereas most both of those teams and the Astros and the Cubs focused on their position players. <laughs> So we'll see what happens, but uh, just a little bit of a of a Braves tie in there because that's that's the hope is that you uh, get there, um, maybe not quite as quickly as Houston did, but that's the uh, that's that's why you rebuild, folks. Uh, it's because you look at you, you look at the Houston Astros, who by the way have like the number I think that's like the number two WRC plus as a team in like the history of baseball, which is yeah preposterous. So uh, anyway, <laughs> back to uh, <laughs> back to the Atlanta Braves because it's a uh, yeah the World Series is fun. Um, I mean, we were talking about that in in general, but uh, oh yeah, last thing in, ter- in terms of news, as uh, Ender Ender Inciarte, I can't talk. And Ari Dickey, are Gold Glove finalists, I don't care about that. I hope I hope Ender wins because he's very good at defense. But uh, Gold Gloves are not something that I care about unless there's unless there's something really dumb that happens, which does happen on a regular basis. But Ender winning would be good. I think we can all agree on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that I mean. You know, you talk about the defensive metrics and things like defensive runs saved. And uh, the metrics actually didn't really like Ender this year. Now, I think it's probably going to be because they don't know, they don't really have enough data at at SunTrust to accurately, uh, you know, to encapsulate what he did. But um, he had like his worst defensive season ever, if you look at the numbers. Um, But again, as as everyone knows, listeners of this podcast know, you know, one-year samples of defensive numbers are not reliable at all. But it was interesting that I think the – The SunTrust part, you know, new park effect probably hurt him a little bit this year. Um, But he certainly is deserving and, you know, a joy to watch in the outfield every night.
0: He really is. Uh, Ender remains wildly underrated to most people. Not Braves fans, I think, have figured out how good he is. And actually, he almost is overrated as a hitter to some Braves fans, I think, at this point. But as an overall player, uh, Ender is fantastic and uh, always rooting for him. Uh, We talked about the World Series that was on the agenda to talk about on this podcast, but... uh, it's kind of difficult to discuss in, in depth when it's happening and the craziness is is occurring. I, I would have told you that I was picking the Dodgers to win the series before tonight. Um, they're now down three runs, so maybe not the smartest thing that I've said. Um, but they can still win. That's as crazy. And yeah. They were also up three runs in this game twice already. So, but it's be over. Yeah, but.
1: this is the best World Series I can remember. I mean, every game has been incredible. Just haymakers
0: uh, on both sides at all times. Yeah. Look, yeah. I notes. mean, in
1: some of them, I mean, they've had low scoring games. They've had high scoring games. I mean, there hasn't been a single blowout. Um, you know, this has been. I, I picked the Dodgers in seven, and it looks like they'll be down uh, 3 2 going back to L.A. for two games. Uh, but it, this has been a phenomenal World Series. And I think everyone kind of expected that. You know, like these were the two best teams by a mile during the regular season in terms of, you know, run differential, consistency. I know the Indians uh, had like that month stretch, that six week stretch where they lost like twice in six weeks. Um, but from really from start to finish, uh, you know, it's pretty easy argument to make that Houston and, and LA were the two best teams and they've really been phenomenal. And, um, you know, we've been rewarded with a really great world series, um, so far.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even describe how nuts it's been. Um, but so we, we probably did a good job and just our general bewilderment, um, throughout this podcast. But, uh, Yeah, three runs in the first inning, five total in the fourth, six in the fifth, and now four again in the uh, seventh. And, uh, yeah, baseball. Um, Last thing, um, there's been some questions about, um, and this is not, I didn't really include necessarily all of them in the mailbag portion, but people asking uh, me and the site, et cetera, whether it's possible that the Braves could move on from Snicker. Uh, despite picking up his option, like for instance, if the new if a new GM came in, how likely it would be to uh, have that guy come in and basically say, "All right, Brian, we don't we're, we're going to pay you to go away now. I know, we we know you're under contract, but we'll just slide you in an, into a different role. We'll pay you to do that." and uh, hmm. Hire our own guy, and that was one of the one of the tongue and cheek questions we got. Was basically what has to happen for the Braves to hire Joe Girardi? Uh, I would be all about that because I think Joe Girardi is good at a job, um, and had no business getting fired in New York. Although I understand why that happens, but uh, I mean I don't think that's terribly likely. And that's been some of the you know most of the reporting from people that would know basically said that's not going to happen. But I we we can kind of dream maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean. I can't imagine the new GM is going to come in on his first day. He's going to fire the manager who was just hired, I think, that or extended. I think that just kind of makes for a an awkward first press conference, if you will. Yes. Um, and we, we've talked about before, you know, if this was a roster that looked like it was about to win 95 or 100 games next year, sure. By all means, if you have to make an unconventional move to get rid of your manager, do it. But again, even if, you know, with some modest improvements and Acuna looks great and Gohara looks great and Tehran bounces back and they, you know, they improve the bullpen, uh, just kind of upgrade the entire roster, you know, you're looking at a team that, I don't know, 83 wins, 84 wins. You know, I, I guess if everything broke right, they might be in the wild card discussion. But I, I kind of lean towards this being closer to more of like a 500 team next year. And again, I don't think, especially in a regular season, a manager makes all that much of a difference. Um, so I, me personally, I think that whoever is running the team, you know, this time in three weeks, I think they'll stick with Snit for a year, see what he can do with, you know, at least a decent roster, um, and move on. I'm a big fan of Girardi as well. I just don't think, uh, the Braves are in a position given the current status of everything, uh, to fire Snicker on a, on a whim and and bring somebody else in all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's mostly tongue in cheek, but as I think it's pretty clear that's not gonna happen. I do think though, if they go in a different direction, Snit will be on an extremely short leash since uh, he will not be signed anyway beyond 2018. Like I, I think it's exceedingly possible, and I would wager, I'd probably wager, if you asked me to pick one side or the other, um, that Snit does not make it through 2018. I think if they have a seven-game losing streak in May, he'll get fired. Um, and it may not be his fault. He'll be the same guy that he's always been. That's always my thing is like, you know, you're not learning anything about Brian Sticker. But at the same time, I think if, if if there is a new GM and it's not John Hart and you're making that decision, I think it's almost like you're looking for the first sign of trouble to go ahead and pull the plug on Brian Sticker because he wouldn't be their guy. He's not signed long-term. That's always the thing that I argue, and I've said it a million times. But this is why you don't have your manager go year to year. You have to have your manager have some security because now they're – you know. And no, and under no circumstances is Brian Snicker going to be getting an extension beyond 2018 right now. Um, so you know he's going to be the land duck manager, and that puts you in a weird spot. Um, you know, I would certainly hire Joe Girardi today if I was allowed to do that. But uh, I understand the uh, you know the myriad of reasons why there why, why that's not going to happen because you know for better or worse they already made the decision to bring Snicker back. So just follow that away. I know people kept, people keep asking. I think they're probably kidding to be honest, but uh, somebody's probably serious when they ask. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it would it would certainly be make for a fun uh, fun couple days, but yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to happen.
0: It's not going to. That's uh, almost it's almost assured at this point in time. Well, uh, Scott, we've uh, navigated a half hour. It's probably enough um, on this fun podcast. And uh, if we tried to record all the way till the end of the World Series game, we, you and I would probably pass out. Um, I would because. fall asleep. It's going to be at least – and listen, you're three hours uh, behind me. It's already we're, – we're, we're long past midnight and on the East Coast at this point in time. So I'm dying here. I'm I'm dying and rambling and probably ready to sleep. But uh, anything you want to get out there, man, I know it's been sort of slow and I haven't written a ton, I really, yeah. really much of anything. But I don't know if you have – or if you have anything coming because I know it's sort of a weird time for us.
1: Yeah, nothing really. I, I mean once the new GM is hired or whoever they're hiring, I mean that will certainly kick – you know ramp things up and and – kind of give, you know, somebody the other day, I don't remember where, and I'm you know, I'm not trying to call someone out, but somebody posted like an off-season outlook for the Braves, and it's like, well, until you know who's running the team, you should probably wait, you know, just, just so um I think once they make that hire, uh, you know, be easier to kind of predict what what things are going to come and, and all that good stuff so nothing that i'm working on but you know there are the daily news the news wraps and, and the afl recaps and everything like that so make sure you're checking in and love uh obviously some full coverage whenever uh the ball gets rolling here after the world series wraps up
0: yeah we're still bringing the uh the, bringing the content i will say shouts to our fearless leader chris uh willis for Plugging along on these, uh, basically just filling the gaps because uh, this is—it's been a weird time. I know the podcast for about the last three episodes in a row has basically been like, "Well, guys, <laughs> we're gonna wait and tell you what's going on after the fact," and uh, it's—we uh, can't just stop producing content on the site, so we've done some player review stuff and. Uh, the AFL, AFL certainly helps, and uh, prospect guys especially, you know, Garrett and those guys are doing a great job. Eric is always uh, leading the crew well over there on the minor league side, so check us out for sure. And as soon as the investigations hit, I promise you we'll be wall-to-wall on that for about a week, I'd imagine, as soon as uh, basically <laughs> basically unpacking everything that's pos- everything that's possibly going to be coming down uh, once that has made public. So stay tuned for that, I promise, and uh, if nothing else, I mean, maybe we'll get a weird Maybe we will get a weird trade or a weird GM thing, or I don't know. Something's always Talk happening, football. talking
1: football. Talk football.
0: Yeah, let's just start talking talking football on the uh, on next week's podcast. If, if they if they haven't released the investigation by next Sunday, which will <laughs> a infuriate me, I'm probably going to just like do like a. Ridiculous, like based like World Series wrap up show. I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm out of things to talk about that are not the investigation at this point in time. Yeah, maybe we, because yeah. that's the other thing about I, for a long time listeners. You probably remember what we did. What we did last off season. Um, it was a lot of like. We did a huge review of the of the season before and a, and a look ahead of different positions and stuff, and that's impossible to do without knowing who's going to be on the team. So, yeah, yeah, we have to kind of wait, and then once free agency hits, there'll be uh, some fresh content for us. But anyway, that's enough of that. Thanks, Scott, for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll do it again, uh, I'm sure, in the very near future.
1: Absolutely, buddy. Thanks as always for having me on.
0: Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and SoundCloud and all that fun stuff. And I promise we'll be back uh, at, least for, at least for next week. So stay tuned, check out the site, and we'll see you guys in a week.